start us in a different place than what maybe you are traditionally uh, accustomed to uh, for a Christmas Eve service. And I'm going to guess that many of you didn't come tonight to the well for traditional um, because we're not necessarily that. But uh, I want to take us to a portion of scripture that's going to set up a, a, a conversation I want to have tonight, thought that I want to give you that hopefully will help you just out over the next 24 hours and honestly in, into the next week and uh, into this, it, this next year. James chapter 5 verses seven through eight. And I promise you, we will read some things about the Christmas story because we all want to get there, all right? So I'll get us there, but I just need you to hang on with me. Will you do that? All right, James chapter five, verses seven and eight says this. It says, be patient. How many of you know right there you disagree with this? (laughs) Right? (laughs) We love the Bible until it says things like that. Be patient. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being, being patient, there it is again, about it, until it receives the early and, and late rains. What I love about James writing here is he's saying that a season has a beginning and an end, but patience is required through the whole thing, right? Verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Today, as we stand on the eve of Christmas, I want to speak to you from this subject right here, what to do while waiting. What to do while waiting. As we deal with an issue that many of us uh, don't like, honestly, and that is the issue of waiting. Will you pray with me just one more time this evening as we dive into God's word? Well, Jesus, I thank you for your word. It's alive, it's active, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. So God, right now I ask that underneath the counsel of your word tonight on this Christmas Eve, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us. God, I pray for some of us, it would define us right now. And for many of us, this is the moment that we've needed in this Christmas season. So God, I ask you to speak profoundly, speak loudly where needed, speak with a whisper where needed. And above all else, God, I pray that your presence would mark this moment in our lives tonight, all of us collectively and individually. In Jesus' mighty name, come on in the church, shouted. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but um, I've I've got three kids in my house who are really excited right now. Come on, how many of you, the parents, how many of you know what I'm talking about for the parents in here? Those of you without kids are like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. This is, life's great. Um. For my house, if you just allow me to, to speak about my situation, my situation is there is a lot of energy in my house right now uh, anticipating Christmas and tomorrow, what tomorrow morning is going to bring. Uh, funny enough, surprise on them, we didn't get them anything this year. So um, <laughs> wouldn't that be an insane practical joke? <laughs> One of my good friends is shaking his head at me right now. Um, but uh, we... What I love about this week is that it's, it's like the best week, but the worst week ever, right? It, especially when you're a kid. For some of us adults, actually, we, we feel that way. But let, let's kind of make it a little bit more personal. How many of you agree with me? This is a participation moment in church. How many of you agree with me that, that uh, we don't like waiting? Come on, show hands. Okay, most of you. Okay, I don't know about you, but I've been driving around this city for the past couple of days, and it's insane out there. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And so waiting is something that inherently we're not actually the best at. It's why they came up with the cell phone. I don't think it was for us to actually make calls. I feel like somebody was like, hey, we should just help people wait. So I was at the store the other day and uh, I decided to engage my own social experiment because I knew that I was going to be preaching about this on Christmas night. So I was like, I'm going to make my own illustration right now. 
So I was in the store and I'm in a line and the line was taking forever. And how many of you know this is what lines look like nowadays? Okay. No one's looking up. So I was like, what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the game. So I decided to not get on my phone and I picked my head up and I just looked around. I just looked around and I kept on looking around. No one else was looking around until this one lady saw that I was looking around. And this was the question she asked me. She's like, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, this is the cultural moment we're in right now that you are designated as a psychopath if you're looking up and around in a line. That's where we were at in this moment. I was like, yes, I'm okay. She's like, are you sure? She's back down to her phone. (laughs) Waiting is a a difficult reality for us. So we find things to preoccupy ourselves. We find things to settle it out for us. We find things to, to make it easier. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Advent means the coming or the arrival of. And here's what we got to understand is that where there's a coming or an arrival of something, how many of you agree with me, there needs to be a waiting attached to it. See, w- without, without a coming or an arrival, there, there is no, there's no waiting. See, waiting is predicated upon something that is desired. Waiting is predicated on something that you're waiting for to, to arrive. And so it's in this season of Advent that I'm struck with this idea of what it means to, to wait. And I'm going to venture out just for a moment, and I'm going to guess that most every single one of us in this room struggles with waiting. To one degree or another, we struggle with waiting. You put yourself in the context that you need to, but we we struggle with, with waiting. And I want to help us out with that tonight. And I think Advent, Christmas, it, it helps us really deal with this subject because Well, Christmas, the Advent, the coming of Jesus was all about waiting. It was a collective waiting, especially for Israel. It was a a group of people who were desiring something so much because their salvation was attached to it. Their hope was attached to it. Their peace was attached to it. Good things were attached to it. Identity was attached to it. Favor was, was attached to it. Resource was attached to it. Freedom was attached to it. I want you to think about all those things. For the children of Israel, the coming of the King Jesus was about them having a totally different life than the one they were currently living. So for Christmas, we get to this moment. It's always a weird service every single year because it's like, do I just sit in the vein of of your traditional Christmas service or do we do do something different? And I want to do something a little bit different with us this evening because I want to help us wait because I think there's power in learning to wait well. How many of you would agree with me that expectations are funny things? They have so much power in our lives, especially when those expectations are not met, when life and faith and circumstance look very different than what we had hoped for or expected. I know when I first got married, I had certain expectations. She had certain expectations. Then how many of you know, especially for the married ones in here, you know, like the next morning you wake up, you're like, what's going on? All right. You have expectations for that job. Then it doesn't turn out the way you want it to. You have expectations for your education. It doesn't turn out the way that you want it to. You had expectations for 2021. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen in church tonight? 
We had expectations for 2020. You guys remember when we were moving into 2020? It was 2019. And I remember asking. <laughs> the year was 2019. PC. <laughs> Sorry, welcome to Christmas Eve at the well. I remember asking everybody at one point, for those of you who call the well home, I was like, who's excited for 2020? Everybody's like, yeah! Four weeks later. And we got into 20, moving from 2020 into 2021. I asked the same question. Everybody's like, ah. I'm right here with it. We're heading into 2022. We've all been through some seasons over the past couple of years. And I can see it in a lot of people's eyes. The hope's gone and excitement's gone and now everybody's measured and it's like, well, I just don't want to have any expectations. See, the reality is, is that, that many of us, along with countless amounts of people across the world, have lost hope. And not because hope is actually gone, but because our expectations have not been met. Or things look like, come on, things look very different than we thought they would look. For many of us this Christmas, things look very different than we thought they would look. This is the reality. This is the backdrop to the advent of Jesus, the Christmas story as we know it. You see, when it came to expectations, the people of God had some pretty massive ones. I mean, who wouldn't, given the fact that the arrival of Jesus had so much surrounding it and had so much at stake. So this is why Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7 is actually such a powerful scripture. Because for many of us, this was a, just a Hallmark card or something that we, we saw or, or read at, at a Christmas Eve service as we grew up or as we just attended these services. But with that backdrop in mind that we just talked about, listen to this now. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of you agree with me? That's some pretty massive names right there. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Those are great things right there. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I mean, who wouldn't look forward to that arrival? Could you imagine receiving that, that, that news right there? That, that was what came through in a DM on your Instagram account? Just a heads up, one's coming and the government shall rest on his shoulder. He's the Prince of Peace, wonderful counsel, mighty God. When's he coming? Well, this prophecy right here was 700 years before his arrival. Could you imagine that? You get a note and it's like, hey, heads up, this is coming. You're like... Life's about to change. Everything's about to ha- Everything's about to get really good. When's it going to happen? Seven hundred years. <laughs> Could you imagine if you went home tonight and said, "Hey, kids, we got some Christmas presents from you for you. They're coming." You're like when? Tomorrow morning? No, 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 no. Generations from now. <laughs> What's a generation, Dad? (laughs) Oh, you'll see. (laughs) Technically, you won't. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Your children, your children's children, your children's children's children will see. So this prophecy 
sets into motion a collective hope. Expectations like no other. Philip Yancey, author of the book, The Jesus I Had Never Knew, fabulous book if you ever want to read a great book this year, captures why hope and expectation would be so heightened concerning the advent of Jesus. This is what he writes. Listen, listen to this. It's really kind of a detailed account to help us understand what Jesus was stepping into. Scarcely a day passed, in fact, without an execution under Herod's regime. The political climate at the time of Jesus' birth resembled that of Russia in the 1930s under Stalin. Citizens could not gather in public meetings. Spies were everywhere. In Herod's mind, the command to slaughter Bethlehem's infants was probably an act of utmost rationality, a, a rearguard action to preserve the stability of his kingdom against a rumored invasion of another. And Jesus descends into that moment. And for the people of Israel, they were awaiting this savior, this king, the one that was gonna save them from the brutality of this regime, from the brutality of those overseeing them, from the brutality of life. None of us have ever seen that in the nativity scene, have we? Like, can you just humor me for a second? Like none of us saw, like we'd never got a, a card or there was never a nativity scene with Herod in the background commanding the death of infants, right? We never, we never saw it, like, that we didn't get that picture. You guys remember the nativity scene? They have a cow and it's like perched perfectly, which never happens, it's a cow. Jesus in this beautiful manger, married, looking just perfect. Joseph really cool with the whole situation. Can we, can we be honest in church tonight? How many of you agree with me? The nativity story, the Christmas, it's weird. It doesn't make sense at times. It's outlandish. Yet we try to prettify it. We try to make it look like something it's not. But, it, it, but it's not this pretty picture. It's gritty. It's, it's, it's raw. It, it's real. And that's what our situations, many of us represent. It's, it's gritty and it's raw and it's real. And some of us are hanging on to just a thin line of hope right now. And I just hope to tell you tonight, if you don't hear anything else out of this service tonight, when you leave here, I need you to know and understand that because of Jesus, we have a greater hope than the thin one you're holding on to. You can hope in this season. You can believe in this season. You can have faith in this season. I don't care what's coming our way. I know the one who has already come and is to come again. Jesus. So this is Christmas. Let me ask you a question. Has this ever happened to you? Has God looked different or performed differently than you thought he would or should? Has hope grown dimmer because expectations haven't equalized? Waiting is not our game. Some of us, maybe we, we are better at it than others. Where are all my just impatient people? And you know they're telling the truth because they put their hands up really fast. <laughs> like, come on, get over, this, what's going on? <laughs> I think that if we're going to do this moment, well, Christmas Eve, and I hope, I hope to settle our hearts and our minds in this place tonight. 
If we're going to do this moment well, I want to help us just get good at waiting. Some things that maybe can frame our hearts and our minds in this season. When I, and, and for some of us, like we're looking forward to this season closing and going into the new year. But even just for the next 24 hours, the next week, leading into the new year, I wonder if we can maybe just anchor ourselves in hope and even more, more so learn how to wait well. Does that sound like a plan for everybody? So I want to help us do that tonight. So I need your help. I want to give us a few things that we need to understand in order to do waiting well. Here's the first one. Every shot number one. Here's the first thing I want you to hear tonight. We, we must engage waiting with consideration. We must engage waiting with consideration. Listen to Psalm 25 verses four through five. It says this, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Notice that his waiting, the psalmist writes, his waiting includes the ask of being taught. He says, I'm, I'm going to wait on you all my days, but while I'm waiting, I need you to teach me. So we call consideration. So what the psalmist is saying is, while I wait, I need to consider some things. While I wait, I want you to teach me. While I wait, I'm looking for you to talk to me and, and speak to me. Here's the problem with waiting is that for many of us, we never do any type of considering. We just jump to condemning the waiting season. See, not many of us never consider the waiting season. We just condemn it. I can't believe I'm waiting again can't believe I've been waiting this long. Doesn't God know? But I'm wondering if maybe in a waiting season, we could just flip the script on it a little bit and go like, wait a second, maybe I'm just going to start asking God, what are you trying to teach me? Teach me, what are you trying to do in me? See, the why behind waiting is actually really important. I have a German short hair pointer. It's a dog. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's a really weird nickname for your children. Like, that's... So we got this dog and he's got a ton of energy. <laughs> and I'm probably not the best of owners for this dog, but there's one thing I love doing to this dog. It's really fun to watch. So I get his food. When I get his food, we're trying to get him to sit. And so he'll sit and he's like really just wired. So it's like, sit, you bring the bowl to him. He's like, oh, and he's like, just give me the food. And th this is what happened when this dog's sitting there. And it's really mean. I hold the food for a little while longer because what happens is he starts to salivate and it, it's like, he doesn't drool, he doesn't lick, he doesn't do any of those things regularly. But if you put this food in front of him, all of a sudden he's like, it's just, it's dripping, it's dripping, it's dripping because he's, he's waiting and I'm, and I'm holding him because I'm like, stay. And I'm trying to train him. I'm not just being mean, okay? But stay. Say, and he's like, you can see it, you can see it. And then I'll put it down. And he's just like looking, like looking at it. And what, what's happening is I'm trying to train him. I'm trying to teach him to, to wait and to, to learn how to engage in this moment properly. And, and I want to just venture out on a limb tonight and be like, that's kind of what waiting does for us is it trains us. It teaches us. It's a little thing called patience that James just told us about. We don't like it. Many of us don't have it, but how many of you agree with me? We need it in seasons like the ones we've just been in. When we face trials and we face hardship and we face frustrating things, how many of you agree with me? Patience is needed. 
When you're standing in line, patience is, is needed. When you're standing in line of the hope that you have, patience is needed. Here's what I would say to us tonight. While we're waiting, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be in this place where we engage with consideration, here's what we've gotta do, is we gotta learn to trust the heart of God when we do not understand his hand. We gotta learn to trust the heart of God when we do not understand his hand. What is God doing in and through our season of waiting? Number two, every shout number two. Here's the second thing we need to understand about, about waiting is that we must wait in a posture of anticipation. We must wait in a posture of anticipation. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I I love this piece of scripture. This is Paul writing. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. And then watch this verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So what is he doing? He's, he's sitting in a posture of anticipation. He's waiting. Why? Because he's sure of something. I am sure of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. I just got to remind us tonight on this Christmas Eve that God is faithful. He's faithful in your situation. He's faithful in your circumstance. He sees you. He hears you. He knows you. Oh, come on, somebody. He's faithful. And here's what I've, I've figured out about anticipation is that when I'm anticipating, anticipation creates appreciation. Anticipation creates appreciation. This is why brides all across the world want the longest aisle possible. How many, come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I've done a lot of weddings this past year and I, I hear, I'm hearing the same thing from brides all over the world. Just give me a long aisle. I want him to see me as I walk down that thing. Have you noticed it takes forever for the bride? <laughs> just, it's a, just an aisle. Just an aisle. Just an aisle. And you could tell in the, in the groom, he starts crying because he's watching his beauty take so long. <laughs> both beautiful and excruciating at the same time. It's like, hurry up. Anticipation creates appreciation. How many of you agree with me that when we wait for, when we wait for something, we enjoy it all the more? It's what's so beautiful when people come into this place for the first time. I talked to somebody a couple weeks back in one of our services afterwards. They were sat in one of our services and came to the end of it and I was talking about in the lobby and they said, this is what they said to me, I never knew what I was missing. And they weren't talking about church. They were talking about Jesus. I never knew what I was missing. See, anticipation, it creates appreciation. So if you're waiting tonight, if you've been in a season where your hope has been deferred, can I tell you that what you're waiting for is so good. His name is Jesus. 
And for many of us in here tonight, we've been waiting for all kinds of other things and not realizing that the thing that we are waiting for is not the thing that we thought. We've been waiting for this, that, this, that. I thought the promotion was going to do it. I thought the relationship was going to do it. I thought this was going to do it. I thought that was going to do it. And hopefully tonight I can help you see, no, 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 there's one thing that we've been waiting for, and that is the Advent, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, the Son. Here's the third thing. Ever shot number three? Here's the third thing we've got to realize about waiting is that we must supply our waiting with participation. We must supply our waiting with participation. Okay, here it is. Christmas story. But I want us to just look at it a little bit differently tonight, if you, if you would just humor me. Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 38. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? That question that Mary asks is coming off the backside of the angel showing up and going, hey, just a heads up. You've never engaged in intercourse before. You're going to have a kid. And Mary goes, how is that possible? It's all right, loosen up everybody. This is what happens with the Christmas story is that we look at it so like, oh yeah. I mean, come on, how many of you know, you've been to Christmas services where you read that and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. No, that's weird. Come on, just like, we. how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be born, will be called holy. My my son was just called Justice. (laughs) Justice Parish. This son was called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, this is the angel still speaking, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And we step back from that scripture and we read it and we go like, oh yeah, sure, makes sense. No, it doesn't. And we have to get to this place because the next verse I'm about to read you is not powerful unless we put it in this light. Because once again, let's just go back to the realness of it. For some reason, when we read the Christmas story, we see this thing and we, we normalize it. And, and we put this thing on it that we're like, oh yeah, and Mary like, was totally good with an angel coming out of nowhere and saying, you're about to have a, a son. And, and, and it's not going to be by a physical reality. God's going to put a, a kid in you. And just by the way, that kid's going to be God. Is anybody with me that that is wild? doesn't make sense. This is why verse 38 becomes so powerful. And watch what Mary says. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Because the reality is, is that we have to supply our waiting with participation. Mary decided to participate in the miracle. Many of us just sit and hope something happens. Oh, come on, did you hear that tonight? Mary participated in her miracle. 
She participated in that which was going to be hard. She participated in that which didn't make sense. She, she participated that, in that which was beyond her, her, her thought process. She, she participated in the thing that was outside of what she would have hoped for. Because as a, as a young woman in this cultural moment, being pregnant and running around telling everybody it's not Joseph's, it's God's, doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work today let alone then. And here's what I wanna encourage us with, is that in our waiting seasons, we have to participate with God. We have to be like Mary and say, I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. Oh, come on, is anybody with me tonight? This is, this is what you need from me, God, okay? I'm gonna participate. Many of us think it's just engaging in waiting But what if it's not just waiting that we're doing, but we're now starting to participate in our miracle. We're participating in the thing that God is bringing to fruition. Emmanuel. God with us. Tonight, we're about to sing one more song as we get ready to close. That's a powerful song if you would let it be. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand to your feet in this moment. As you came in, you should have received this candle. Don't light it yet. Don't light it yet. This is the part of service that we all get really excited for because it's trenched in historicity and tradition. Some of you a little taken back that it's electric and not real. We did that on purpose. It's called carpet. So we're gonna light our candle for a different reason this Christmas. If Emmanuel means God with us and we have to participate in waiting There's this moment tonight where we have to decide that I know God's with me and he's waiting with me. And so when we light our candles tonight, I want us to do so because we are personally coming to the conclusion that I'm gonna wait well and I'm gonna wait with Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. This Christmas season has more weight for us than it's ever had before, if I can just be honest and transparent with you. It's one thing for the pastor to get up here and look like we got it all together and everything's awesome, but I gotta tell you, this has been the hardest year of our life. So tonight I, I wait with a two-edged sword.